Hey, so I'm really glad to be here with you. It feels like I've been gone a lot, but I'm glad to be back with you for good now through the end of the year. Uh, it's nine weeks till Christmas, till the end of the year, actually. It's more, less than that. Then. I shouldn't have said that, should I? <laughs> Let's get through Halloween first, right? So Woody Allen, many of you probably heard of the playwright Woody Allen. He once famously said 80% of life is just showing up. Maybe you've heard that. And he was saying that in reference to people who would say to him, oh, I would love to have a screenplay produced like uh, something I wrote on the stage or on the screen or a book published like you do. And he would say to those people, 80% of life is showing up. Have you written something yet? Invariably, they would say, no. What he's saying is, first of all, you have to write something before it can be published, so write it. 80% of life is showing up. I've always taken that expression to refer to other things in life, too. For me, friendship, relationships, 80% of life is simply showing up. give you an example of I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, a friend of mine, longtime friend, lifelong friend, lost somebody in his life that was very important to him. So it was on a Sunday when the funeral was going to take place. So ironically, I had to come home from here at church, change clothes into something nicer <laughs> to go to the funeral, out of the jeans and into the suit or whatever. And I went there, and I hadn't seen this friend in over 10 years, but I went because 80% of life is showing up. And I knew it made an impact on him, but he almost didn't recognize me at first. And then we went, oh, and he said, Basically, why are you so dressed up? I think his actual words were, dude, what's up with the preppy clothes? <laughs> That's what you do. I don't, you know. And, but then later, as we were talking, he was saying, thanks for showing up. I really appreciate that. Like, Isn't this what friends do? Don't friends just show up for each other? That's 80% of life is just showing up for each other. And it just seems like it's a given, Right? I'm not sure it's a given in American culture anymore. We have become increasingly isolated from one another. You've heard me say this before if you've been here any length of time. It's not one of the good aspects of American culture. We're not there for each other anymore. I don't know if you saw this on the news this week or last week. There was a mom who posted up a picture on social media. It went viral. Her little kid, six, seven years old, had invited 32 classmates to a Chuck E. Cheese party and all of them said we'll be there, and none of them showed up. The picture was tables, long tables decorated at Chuck E. Cheese, pizzas, and no kids there, just this kid by himself. We don't show up for each other anymore. In fact, there's a term that's been coined that you maybe have heard this. The big thing in dating relationships now is ghosting. Have you heard that? If you're not familiar with what it is, it's in dating where you maybe have been on two or three dates with someone, and then all of a sudden, they just stop responding. There's no snaps, there's no texts, there's no email, there's no phone call. They're just gone, and you don't know why. It's a, maybe if you've experienced it, you're left wondering, did they die? Did they get abducted? Did I do something wrong? You just don't know. So I was reading an article, a reporter tracked down some people who were willing to admit, yeah, I've ghosted some people. And she said, why did you do that? And invariably, the people who ghost someone else, they just disappear like a ghost. They will say, well, and you can guess what it is. I just didn't want to hurt their feelings. I thought it would just be easier this way. I just didn't want to deal with the drama, to which everybody on the receiving end of ghosting will say, I would like the drama. I would just like to know. I'd like to know if I did something. I want to know what happened, but that's what happens. Ghosting has even shifted into the work world now. I was reading a business article this summer. It talked about employees who are ghosting their employers, sometimes even before they get the job. The person who wrote the article referred to one recruiter in Washington, D.C., who had a position in the federal government that was open, and she was recruiting for this position, and she needed somebody who had a huge, massive computer skill set and top-secret clearance. She found the ideal candidate, 
The employer loved this person. They went through all the interview process. That This is the person. They made an immensely uh, generous offer to this person. And then the day she was supposed to go to work, there's nothing. The potential, the new hire, the new employee just didn't show up, didn't answer phone calls, emails, nothing. For three weeks, the people who were hiring are like, what is wrong? Did, should we send a car to her house? They were sending cards and voicemails, and finally she got back to the recruiter and goes, I just didn't want the job. Which is probably a sign in our really good job market now. If you are an employee, it's, it's probably easier now to find a job than it has been. And I get it. If you've ever been to an interview and then you've heard nothing from the person who you want to get the job with, it's like now the shoe's on the other foot. Now I can do to you what you've done to all. It's probably not wise. We all recognize that, that the economy will flip again and those people have long memories. So. But some employers even got to the point where they're acting like airlines now. They hire more people than they need because they know some of the people just aren't going to show up to work on the first day. They're going to ghost us. Ghosting has shifted from dating world and business world. People are now even observing that ghosting happens in church. I was reading another article, someone who has led in a church for a long time who said, it is so disquieting, it is so disappointing when people you have gone to church with for years just stop showing up and you don't know what happened. They don't return phone calls. They don't say what happened. One Sunday they're there, and the next Sunday they're gone, and you're just like, where did they go? And they don't tell you why. And, and then maybe later you find out, and the person writing this article said, and she's speaking for a lot of people in a lot of churches, you can say, we've just been ghosted, and we're left wondering what happened. It's a symptom of a bigger thing in our culture. It's a symptom of something that's just absolutely wrong with humans. We tend to not show up for each other. It's kind of, sadly, in this broken world, our default mode is to not show up for each other. And this is not a new thing, actually. I want you to go ahead and grab a Bible because we're going to look in this today. Ghosting happened 2,000 years ago. It's referred to in the Bible, and there's actually some teaching around it because people have always been this way. We just have a new word for it. If you want to find it, it's in Hebrews. If you've got the worship folder we were handing out when you came in, you can take some notes on that. So uh, if you've got a physical Bible, that's great because it accesses a whole different part of your brain. You'll remember things better when you use this than you will if you use your smartphone. Plus, there's no Facebook on this, so you cannot ghost us during the sermon today. Right? We're going to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read a couple of verses here. They'll be up on the screen, and uh, you can just follow along. This is Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And it says here, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let's not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of Jesus' return is drawing near. So we're going to keep your Bible open to this or smartphone or whatever, because we're going to work through this. There's something here that's pretty obvious, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Why does the author here have to say, keep showing up for each other? The way he said it was, don't neglect meeting together as some are doing. Why does he have to say that? Why did my mom have to say to me, be nice to your sister? Because as an annoying pest as she was, we're family. We're supposed to, so my mom needed to see him say to me, be nice to your sister. Why does the author of Hebrews have to say, don't neglect meeting together? They weren't me. You saved the whole congregation today. Anyone says it, as some are doing. 
This is written to Christians. This is written to churches. This is written to people who were starting to ghost each other, stop showing up. A little bit of background about Hebrews. At the time this was written, a lot of the Christians were facing persecution. Some of them were maybe even being put into prison simply because they were Christians. So it became less popular to be a Christian, and sometimes maybe you didn't want to be associated with the people who were put in prison, guilt by association. And the author of Hebrews says, I know that it's tempting. I know that there's a gravitational pull inside all of us to isolate ourselves and then just to be by myself and just do my own thing, but you have to fight against that. Don't neglect meeting together. In fact, you can write this down if you want. God wants us to be intentional about being present together. That's his will for us. We who are here, we who are watching this on the podcast later, welcome. Uh, God wants us to be together. We want to fight against that gravitational pull, that default of not being together. Don't get out of the habit of attending, which I, though I understand how hard it can be to get here. I saw a cartoon. So just picture it. It's a bedroom. There's a, a woman standing beside the bed, and there's clearly somebody in the bed with the covers all the way up. And the person under the covers is saying, I don't want to go to church today. And the woman is saying, I know, honey, I know, but if you don't go, who's going to preach the sermon? <laughs> and that, that wasn't at our house. <laughs> it wasn't, Kirsten will tell you. But uh, that's the thing. Let me just ask this, and you can start thinking about this for yourself or people that you know. Why don't people go to church more than they do? I am not making, I don't want to make anybody feel guilty. This is not a put my finger in anybody's face. I'm really just asking a question because people in America are attending church less than they used to. Why is that? Well, there's lots of answers. I was uh, getting my hair cut a while back and the girl who cut my hair found out I was a Christian, a pastor, and she goes, I'm a Christian too. And I get to church when I can, which is pretty much what the average American does these days. I get to church when I can, which is now about one to two times a month for committed church attenders. We just don't go to church as much as we used to. And there are lots of things that feed into this. One researcher, George Barna, found out, here's the reasons why people don't get to church more often. Maybe you can relate to some of these. We as a culture are more mobile and more affluent. We can go to lots of places on a weekend, and we do, and we avail ourselves of that. It's fine. Uh, we have more options on Sunday morning. I, I'm probably dating myself, but I remember when I was a real little kid, gas stations weren't open on Sunday, grocery stores. You just had nothing to do. There was, you can go to church or mow your grass. That was about all you could do, or go to the emergency room. <laughs> That's it. But now we've got tons of things you can do, and a lot of sports are meeting on Sundays now. One of the big things that really surprised me, and you need to listen to this, people who are not also involved in a small group in their church tend to attend church less. So just there, if you want to be more engaged and more involved in this church, one of the things that will help you do that is get into one of our connect groups. So there you go. It's a little plug for that. But it's just not within us. We've got culturally kind of gotten away from Sunday being the only thing we do. It's just one of many options. And again, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to chide you or to treat you like, you know, like you're bad. And I'm not. You're here. Like, yeah, you all get a gold star today. But uh, the thing is, there's a myth out there that says church is for me. And when you start thinking about churches for me and my personal enrichment, then you start to think of it as, if I don't need it today, then I don't really need to go today because it's all about me. And if I can be filled somewhere else, then I'll just go do that today. There was a Pew Research survey, and it, it asked the question, why do you go to church? And there were five answers that were given. Uh, the number one answer, maybe you would say this too, when I do go to church, I go to church to get closer to God. Do you feel like that? Like, that's why I go? Uh, other people would say, I go to church because I want to be a better person, and, and it helps me with that. Uh, number three, the big answer people gave is, I go because I like the sermons. Obviously why you're here today. 
Uh, others, I want to give my kids a good moral foundation. It inspires me. Just These are the kind of the answers people give. When you look at those, there's nothing wrong with those answers, and if that's why you come to church, great. Um, those are good. I would just invite you to think about what they all have in common. Me. I want to be a better person. I want to be inspired. I want the sermon to say something to me, which is not bad, but if that's the only reason you're getting to church, ironically, if me is the only reason I go, if me doesn't think I need it today, I will be there less often than I would be if there's something beyond just what I get out of it. Okay? So which is which is one of the reasons why Connection Christian Church chose the name that we did. We're here not only to connect to God, we're also here to connect to each other through Jesus. And we don't want to ever miss that part. It's not just me, it's we together. There's a whole other dimension to that. And that's uh, that's why we're here, connecting people to God and each other. And when you miss that each other aspect of it, that's where things start to go off the rail. So when we gather to church, there's just something that happens when we're in close proximity with each other. I just saw this this week. It's a brand new study that just came out, extensive research about friendship. This is going to change things for a whole lot of people. They've actually identified how many hours you have to spend with someone else before you become friends. Ready for this? Just to become a casual acquaintance, you have to spend 40 to 60 hours with somebody before you even reach that, that level of, yeah, we're, we're kind of friends. You have to spend another 80 to 100 hours with somebody before you just become friends. Now, your bestie, you may have known it the moment you met your best friend, but it probably took another 160 to 200 hours more before you actually were cemented showing up for each other when you haven't seen each other for 10 years. Now, I want you to do the math. If the average American is going to church, and church asks, you know, is one hour, and you're going to church 32 to 40 times a year, 32 to 40 hours, how long, how many years before you just become casual acquaintances with the people that you go to church with at Connection? How many years before you make good, legitimate friendships with people if the only contact you have is sometimes on Sunday morning? No one, like you're not gonna make it here long enough to stick it out if you don't show up. That's why it's so important for us to be together. When we gather as a church, it's an encouragement to you. It's an encouragement to me. When we gather together, there's something powerful. I tell you, you know this, like this, you'd say, well, Dutch, your job. But when I come to church, my number one thinking is, I want to come here and bless you. Just through teaching, conversations that we have with each other. Invariably, I walk out of here going, man, like I came to bless other people, but I was the one who got something out of it. Like just a conversation with one of you and just something that just made me feel like that was great. I'm glad I showed up for that today. That's what I needed. In fact, if you want to write this down, we show up here at church for each other because God uses these gatherings to speak into our lives. And not just me, sometimes God uses you to speak into my life and vice versa, and we speak into each other's lives. And, you know, we, we sing songs like what Jeff and Jolene led us through this morning. That was great. And are we singing to God? Yes. Are we singing about God? Yes. But are we not also reminding each other as we sing of things that are true? Through the teaching of God's word, that's powerful, and we're trying to download it and absorb it. But some of you are here, and you're teaching, teaching in our children's ministry with our students, when we share communion, as Josh led us through that, we, we find strength from what Jesus gave us, the bread of life. But think about what the word communion contains. It's literally co-union. It's not just you and God in your holy huddle at communion. It's all of us sharing a meal together. 
And think about what happens in the commons when we sit down together and when we stand up and we talk and we have coffee together and when we just share our lives together. That's church also. And it's so powerful. And I want, if you're not here on a Sunday morning, please go watch the video message on our website or get the podcast on iTunes because that's important to stay connected. But there's nothing quite like being together in the same place. And honestly, when you're not here, you're missing something. And you don't even know what you might have missed out on if you had been there. Happened to my father-in-law, John, a few years ago, Kirsten's dad. It was up in Vermont on business. It was a snowy, cold, rainy Sunday morning. He was in a hotel room, and he was like, you know what? This would be a great day to sleep in. And before he could make, let himself do that, he grabbed the hotel directory, went to the back page where it's a list of churches in this small town. He found a little church of Christ. And he, before he could make himself you know, decide, I'm going to skip church today, he got the address, put it in Google Maps, and found himself at this little church of Christ. And I say little, it was little and old school. Is in this church, they would have everybody, like, we want all of our visitors, we want to recognize you. Would you raise your hand? And then they would write the name down. At the end of the church service, they read the names of the visitors. Um, so if you're a visitor here this morning, would you, we don't do that here. But they did there, which was a good thing, because at the end of the service, when they were reading off the list of visitors, they said, John King from, you know, New York. But then they read another name, and John said, I know that name. It was a guy who he had been friends with but hadn't seen for 40 years who was also visiting that little tiny church in Vermont that day. Who would have ever thought that they would both go to the same church in a different state on the same day? And if either one of them had said, it's snowing, it's raining, I'm skipping church, they would have missed out on that. What are we missing out on when we don't show up for each other? Because God uses these gatherings to speak into our lives. That's why here in Hebrews, you can go back and look at it again. It's where he says we need to motivate each other towards acts of love and towards good works. And we need to gather together to encourage each other. This is what we do when we gather. The myth is church is for me. And if I get something out of it, great. If I don't, I don't need it this weekend, then I just won't go. The truth is church is for all of us. And the truth is, what a blessing it is that you get to speak into other people's lives. And you get to know that when you show up on Sunday, it may not have been for you at all. It may be something that you brought that day that was for someone else. And what a great thing that is. And we need each other. And the myth is, in American culture, is nobody will miss me if I'm not there. And the truth is, no, you are missed. You're an important part of this church family. And we need each other. And there's so many good things that God is doing here and I want you to be part of that. I don't want you to miss out on that. There's something powerful when we gather together in close physical proximity with each other. We invited the Holy Spirit to be among us as we sang this song this morning. And God's Holy Spirit is here with us. And the Spirit of Jesus is through the Word of God. And there's something powerful. Somebody once said, and maybe you've heard this, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that's what the, the writer in Hebrews is telling us as Christians. Come on, life is a long, long journey. And if you want to get to the finish line when Jesus comes back, we need to go together. We need to encourage each other. Our ability to make it to the finish line depends on where you're whether we're present for each other. But I still wonder, like, do you get it? Do you connect those dots? I remember something, my family would laugh at my grandma, Velma, uh, my mom's mom. She was such, such a smart person. I just love grandma Velma. But sometimes she could be so clueless. Like in one breath, she would say, oh, I'm not addicted to caffeine at all. She loved coffee. And we'd say, grandma, you're addicted to coffee. You're addicted to caffeine. Oh, no, I'm not. And then in the next breath, she would say, I just have the worst headaches till I have my fourth cup of coffee. And Oh, no, grandma, you're not addicted to caffeine at all. Here, have another cup. I'm just wondering how many 
pieces of pain you have in your life, and you're not connecting the dots between your participation or lack thereof and the things that we're experiencing in our lives. Connect the dots. What if we acted and lived like what we do here every Sunday, every Sunday, matters, maybe matters for eternity? Doesn't it change everything? You come here with a mission. It's not only what I'm gonna get out of it, but I want you to get something out of this, believe me. But you're also going to church because you know, like, there's something maybe that I need to give today. I don't even know what it's gonna be, but I'm open to that. I'm gonna be there for it. A couple of just real simple commitments that I would like to ask you to consider making. Here's the first one. You can write this down. Will you make a commitment to be in church every Sunday? And some of you are going like, for the rest of my life? How about till the end of the year, right? It's nine Sundays starting next week till the end of the year. Why not just take your calendar out and just put on next Sunday, church, hit repeat nine times, and then I, like, I don't know who first said this. I say this all the time. Just make a commitment. If I'm healthy and I'm in town, I'll be in church. You know, if you're sick, don't come. Watch the podcast. Keep that at home. That's something you shouldn't be sharing. <laughs> if you're healthy and you're in town, be at church. And, um, you know, maybe make the decision that I am going to be in town. Because, like I said, we have lots of options, and sometimes that's fine. We, sometimes we need to get away. But I, and I want you to hear this from me, too. I think you know it, but I think it needs to be said. Going to church more often doesn't make God happier with you. It doesn't make me happier with you. We're not keeping attendance in a way that says we're keeping score. God's not going to look at you as you get ready to come into eternal life and go, yeah, but you're, you're church attendance. We need to discuss this first. It, it doesn't save you, but it can change you. Your, your being here can transform you. It can transform all of us. It's not everything, but it's the first thing. Right, so I, I love that we've got the podcast and the video thing, but there's just something about being there live, right? Uh, it's, it's something to be with the crowd. I can tell you exactly where I was on August 29th, 1977. I don't know how many of you can do that, but I can. And here's how I know, I had to look up what day it was, but now I know because I was in Bush Stadium, the old Bush Stadium, and everybody was wondering that night, is Lou Brock going to break Ty Cobb's stolen base record? And he did that night. It was electric. We were waiting. He gets a hit. He's on first base. Is he going to steal second? He's going to steal. He stole second base. And he, the, the 50-some thousand Cardinals fans erupted. And I was there. I'm still getting goosebumps now remembering how powerful that was. And the cheering would not stop. And they stopped the game. They went out and had a ceremony right there. They took second base out of the ground and presented it to Lou Brock. Was anybody else there that night? Yeah, sure you were. What a powerful thing. And it was probably cool to watch it on TV. Some of you probably did watch it on TV if you were alive back then. But it was another thing to be in the stadium. Ditto, we lived in Tennessee in the 90s, but we were here visiting family, and it was the big Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run race. We were in a Sunday afternoon ball game when Mac hit one out of the park. And I don't know what you think about Mark McGuire, but that was awesome. That was just another goosebump moment. There's something powerful about being there which is why we will spend $500 for a movie ticket and popcorn to see it on the big screen. Sometimes some movies just have to be experienced on the big screen, right? There's sometimes where you go, I want to be at the concert. I can listen to it on Spotify, but it's just not the same thing as being there with everyone else. And it's the same thing here. There is something about being in close physical proximity to each other that just can't replace in any other way. So I'm asking you, make the commitment. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be a part of what's going on. If I'm healthy and I'm in town, I'll be at church. 
Let me just give you a couple of really quick examples. These are out of the Bible, but we'll have these on the screen. Luke 4, 16. This is Jesus' example. Listen to what it says there. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. Read it with me. As was his custom. Is, if there's anyone who could legitimately say, I don't need to go to church, would it not be Jesus? God in the flesh Apparently, God in the flesh needs church, wants to be there, made it his custom, his habit to go to church. The Apostle Paul, a good chunk of what we call the New Testament of the Bible, Paul wrote as letters to churches and letters to people. And listen to what Paul's habit was, Acts 17, 2. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service. Jesus did church. Paul did church. We need to do this. It's a priority. If you're a parent here, kudos that you're here today and you got your kids here because we put our kids into everything and that's good. Soccer, dance, band, all that stuff is awesome. Make a priority to also get your kids in church and you're here so you get it. This is an important thing that you can instill in your kids. They can't drive themselves. They shouldn't drive themselves. They, they need you to get them here. So there you go. Here's the second challenge I wanna give you. I'm almost done here, but I want you to think about not only will I get to church but I want to challenge you to get into a connect group. Remember what I said earlier? People who are in small groups attend church more often. Get into a connect group. Literally, right out that door and across the lobby is our small groups display where you can choose a group that is meeting at the right time and place for you. You get in a group and you will love it. And if it doesn't work for you in the first group, just try another group. It's okay. Just find a group and stick with it. And while I'm on the subject of groups, I want to talk to the, I don't know, how do I say this, the older people among us? I'm, you self-identify with this. I'm just going to tell you, I'm talking now to baby boomers and older. So if you're Gen X or millennial, you need to hear this too. But I am explicitly talking to those of you who are probably 60 and older. This is really important. Uh, let me read you something that Carl Vauders wrote. He is a fellow baby boomer with you all. He says, people will ask him, he's a pastor and an author, he'll say, people will ask me all the time, what's wrong with this younger generation, those millennials, blah, 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 blah. He says this. Nothing's wrong with the current generation that hasn't been wrong with every previous generation, with one possible exception. They, the millennials, don't have the elders and mentors that almost every previous generation before them has had. And why is that? Because, Carl Vauder says, and I hate to say it, but my generation of boomers is not discipling the next generation as well as previous generations did for us. And he puts down a challenge. He says, hey, boomers, fellow boomers, Let's quit complaining about the millennials and let's start mentoring them. I'm gonna tell you in my experience as a Gen Xer, I have never seen a generation that is as eager to be mentored as millennials are. They want your friendship. They want your input. They want to know what you know. This younger generation reveres their grandparents, loves you guys, you have something to offer. I, you're smart people. You can figure this out, but you need to find a way to connect with the younger people in our church because they want that. Take them to coffee. Invite them to your house. Spend time out here talking with them because this is what we do when we gather together. We're here for each other. And you show up for each other. And it may be like the, the things that you've been through with your whole life, this is now the point where you get to be the best minister you have ever been at this stage of your life. You figure it out, but we need to do this. Spend some time with them because we show up for each other here at Connection. Back in 2008, the weirdest news story I've ever seen. It was a story that came out of Russia. Somebody stole a Russian Orthodox church building. 
I didn't even know that was possible. How do you steal a church building? Do you just like one day you show up and like somebody stole, I'm picturing in the middle of the night somebody with a pickup truck just putting the church building on the back and driving away. Apparently, this is pretty common in rural Russia. Some of these older Russian Orthodox churches have been closed down for a while and not being used out in the country. So one of the church in particular, they decided they needed to open it back up. They sent some officials out there. All that was left were a couple of bricks in the foundation. But it didn't disappear in one night. What commonly happens is, in these poorer areas, people are also addicted to drugs. What they'll do is they'll go into these church buildings at night, they'll chisel out some bricks, and they can sell them for about a nickel apiece, and they trade that for drug money. So over time, if you're not paying attention, that church building, like the one in Russia, I can't even show you a picture because it's not there. It, it didn't disappear all at once. It just disappeared by onesies and twosies. And then suddenly they're going, it's just not there anymore. You know, connection... I'm um, just say this. I am so proud of you. Friday night, we had this uh, corn boil. Said to our community, we're here for you. We're very obviously trying to say to everyone, we want you here. And if you're here for the first time, welcome. We exist for you. I don't want connection to ever dissipate and go away by onesies and Tuesdays where we just ghost each other and we just stop showing up for each other. And suddenly, 10 years from now, somebody goes, well, there used to be a great church there, but I don't know what happened. And I don't want that to happen for you. I don't want your own spiritual faith in Christ to go away little bit by little bit to where you say, there was a time in my life I was passionate about God, but I don't know what happened, but now I just could care less. And you're moving in the right direction. Please don't hear me as yelling at you. I'm encouraging you like it's said to do in Hebrews. Keep going. We're gonna make it to the finish line together, right? We're a church that is here for each other. So let's do that.